same China, different stories. We are the ones that found our way in a new life. Adopted babies, adopted babies from China. Welcome to ABC. Today I'm here with Abby. She actually reached out to me via Lily, who was on an earlier episode. Lily actually referred you, correct? I believe Mm -hmm. Abby is actually going to be working on or has already released her first episode of her (laughs) podcast. By the time this airs. Yeah. By the time this airs. Abby lives in. Athens, Georgia, with Mm. two cats. So I'll let Abby also talk more about herself. Abby, can you tell me more about your adoption and a little bit more about what you do? I was adopted at 10 months old in Wuhan, Hubei province in China. And so then after I was adopted by um, my family, I lived in Manchester, New Hampshire until I was like four. And since then, I've kind of just lived in Georgia. I lived in like metro Atlanta for a majority of like my upbringing and I went to school at Georgia State for a little while and then I transferred out to UGA and I'm not I'm on an academic break at the moment but I've lived in Athens for this will be like my third year and um, yeah it's been a really cool experience it's a fairly um community-based town I've noticed like it's really easy to get involved in like different like social rights groups and stuff like that. Like it's it's fairly permeable versus like a larger city. I feel like it is harder to know where to put your energy versus like there are just less people in Athens, you know, there's less. <laughs> right. Um, and then I'm also a visual artist. So I do like drawings and paintings and illustrations and stuff. I've been doing like commissioned work for like three or four years now. It's pretty fun. Oh, that's what nice. I went to college for. But then I was like, I don't know why I'm going to college right now if all I want to do is paint. So I took a little bit of a break. Oh, okay. So you're on an academic break. Are you, that means you're in school right now studying and also working as like an artist at the same time, right? Or I'm not in school right now. I'm not enrolled in any classes. I'm just kind of like taking a little hiatus from college and everything else and kind of like, spent a lot of time reevaluating my life. It's been like, I guess, nine months since I left last year. It's been nice. It was just getting to be a lot because I was working full time too. Mm. Um, I live out here in Athens. And so I was like working and I was taking a full class load because that's what you have to do in university basically to make like the fees worth it and everything. Right. Um, and I was just getting like my mental health was really bad. And I was like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I in school right now like what is my actual plan and I realized I didn't have one so I figured instead of continuing to pile up a bunch of student loans that I already have you know and doing more without like a clear path I was like you know I'll just wait pay some off for a little while and then see what happens and where my life takes me right so is your partner is it he right he Mm -hmm. okay because I know you called him partner, and I'd, sometimes I think partner is used in terms of like same sex mm-hmm. relationships. Yours is opposite sex relationship. 
I always want to clarify because I know it's a very like sensitive topic too. I don't want to be insensitive. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, not at all. Is he also in school or he was in school or is he also sort of doing similar to what you're doing? My partner is a few years older than me. He was in school for music in Tennessee for a few years and then he left it to pursue a career with his band um, and a career in music overall, not just like performing. He also like does like mixing. So he'll like mix sound for live shows. Obviously not right now, but <laughs> like back in the day before the pandemic, he also like will record music in studios for bands. And I don't know, he does a bunch of stuff on his computer with tracking or mastering or I don't know. <laughs> oh. But that's what he does. We kind of met in Athens just through, honestly, we met through Tinder. Not even going to lie. Okay, um, I was about to ask. I was like, how'd you guys meet then? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we met through Tinder. We just started hanging out a little bit, uh, I guess like a year ago now, a little bit over a year ago. He does music, so he is equally as, I think, concerned as everybody else about job prospects mm-hmm. in the future, because <laughs> live shows are kind of like a, we don't know, like same with musical theater or theater in general. Right. Like I forgot to mention, it's like, it's cool you, you're in Athens, Georgia, because I went to a university in Athens, Ohio. So a lot of times people would be asking like, Athens, where's that? Georgia? I was like, no, no. This you is did wonder that. <laughs> yeah. We both lived in Athens for yeah. some part of our 20s, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Athenians across states. Athenians across states. And then you said you're from Wuhan City? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wuhan, the city in Hubei province. Okay. How do you feel about all this stuff going on? Because I, I imagine that's actually where the breakout supposedly yeah. started. <laughs> it's supposedly. kind of um, wild to think about how it's traced back to Wuhan because I feel like a majority of my life, basically all up until <laughs> this started happening, nobody knew where Wuhan was. You know, I half the time when I would tell people where I was from from, um, I would just say China because, I mean, it's like it wouldn't have made a difference to a majority of people. And now I feel like saying it is like pretty funny. I think mm. it's pretty hilarious. So now everyone's like, oh, my God. But then they have to like retract themselves and be like, wait, that's not a proper response to <laughs> a place. Um, but like it is weird to notice interactions with people even like just always people that I don't know but that I'll like see in public randomly it's interesting to watch people kind of like policing themselves Mm -hmm. and you can like see it happen in the moment like they look at you and I remember like at the grocery store especially early on people would kind of like look apprehensive and then I would see them think to themselves wait that's that's messed up don't do that and like all in like the span of like two seconds it was really odd to experience but I appreciated people self-policing you know um Mm -hmm. and I understood that it's scary to think about think about a pandemic you know like nobody has any answers right now everybody's pretty nervous as to what the effects of it really are you know like long-term things like everything is pretty 
up in the air in regards to COVID. And I think people usually try to like identify a threat, you know, when they're scared of something, it's just human nature to try and find something to like a visual. And when it came out that it did supposedly originate in Wuhan, that made the visual Asian faces. Mm -hmm. Luckily, Athens, even though it's in Georgia, it's a fairly blue area. You know, I think that a majority of people around here are not overtly ignorant or racist, but it's still like fear transcends like all those things, you know, it goes through like people's, I guess, like afterthoughts, you know, when they're like, okay, that wasn't the right thing. But like the immediate response is still there, regardless Mm -hmm. of whether people really do feel that way or not, you know? Yeah, I do think you brought up a good point that people are really more conscious, self-conscious, or more aware of how they're interacting to others. And I guess that's a nice thing, but also sort of crazy that it's now more prevalent than it was before. Yeah, it's weird that it took all this. (laughs) Actually, so I usually take a break, but I think this is actually a good segue into your podcast. So it's already been released. (laughs) Yeah, it's um, called the Not So Mellow Yellow Podcast. And it's basically going to be kind of one part, like public diary sort of, of my journey of being a Chinese American adoptee and kind of like discovering my own truths about it and like my different experiences. Um, And I also plan to kind of talk about like various topics, like through the filter of being a Chinese adoptee, Um, just because I feel like before I discovered like podcasts like yours or Lily on YouTube, you know, I felt like the adoptee experience was one that I had never heard about beyond my own. Mm hmm. And it felt very isolating and it felt very, um, I feel like everybody feels like no one understands what they're going through um, because everybody does feel that way. But I I also feel like having no examples of that in my everyday life, you know, didn't help at all. Right. Um, And so I plan to talk about that, um, hoping to kind of shift the narrative. I feel like I know when we talked before, we talked about how there's not really a good platform to discuss, like, explicit issues. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that, like we mentioned before, you know, it's, it's like, perpetuating sort of this expectation for Asians to be compliant and docile and polite. You know, even in our complaints, they still ring as, like, fairly polite you know um and not to say like I want to be like (laughs) overtly like angry or or brutal or anything but I think at least just being honest I I think a lot of the narrative has kind of been controlled by the parents or people not even involved in like neither an adoptive parent nor adoptee which I think is really odd Um, Mm -hmm. For that to be, like, the main voice that people see when they, like, look up perspectives of adopted children, you know? It's rarely adoptive child talking. And I think that that's partially because we're so young. Mm -hmm. Like, there's very few of us that are over the age of 30, you know? Um, Right. And 
So this is the time in our lives where we're starting to get our own voices and get our own, like, yes. like just identity back, basically. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what inspired me to start a podcast just to help contribute to mm-hmm. the other voices that are already out there. A big part of it is, and it's nice to hear other adoptees also reading about their stories too, but hearing them, I think, is more powerful. It's more impactful in that mm-hmm. sense too. Let's take a break. Yes, I've been going through a lot of discovery, even in the past three months, I would say, related to my relationship with my parents and then also navigating how that's going to be going forward. As an adult adoptee, I guess I would say it's a shift. I'm also living in a new city that's much bigger there's different mannerisms different Mm -hmm. culture I would say from where I grew up which was Washington DC area yeah like a suburb of there and then also I'm learning a little bit more about a religion I never really talked about religion before but I think that'd be an interesting thing we could talk about or bring up here is I was raised Catholic so I would go to services and everything with my family growing up and then the past few years I stopped going to church I didn't complete the whole entire process to I think to be officially confirmed to the church I think there's I think that's how it works with the Mm -hmm. catholic church or in christianity in general yeah my parents Uh, raised me pretty catholic when I was younger okay so So you understand you definitely understand Recently, when things were starting to get really tough, where I was having trouble navigating my relationship with my family a little bit, I have like a sponsor. She's actually considered a sponsor, not a mentor, in something called SGI Buddhism. Mm. And yes, she introduced me to SGI Buddhism. This individual I actually met through Katie, who I talk about on this podcast quite a bit. Yeah. Katie, actually, this individual was her professor while she was at school at university in New York. And so when Katie visited me in D.C., we actually went to an SGI district meeting with this individual about a year ago. Actually, it might be a year ago today from when this podcast release timing. How about that? Yeah, they do have a principle about chanting and there's also a lot more involved with the practice as well. But ultimately it focuses on individual happiness like your inner self not necessarily any external force or being that tells you how you should be navigating decisions or how you approach life so I've been essentially chanting I've been doing that essentially every day for the past three months oh wow Uh, but now I'm starting to navigate more into not only chanting, but also studying and learning more about the concepts and philosophy behind the practice. This is like another whole big thing that I never thought I would really look into until <laughs> I guess right. the pandemic, really. That was a sort of a sidebar to say. I think religion is another one of those topics not really discussed too much that I've seen mostly from adoptees. And it seems like with your podcast coming out, you'll be able to really dive into that topic much more than even I could say. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I think it is a really good opportunity for me to like, just learn, you know, like not even just 
sharing my story, but also amplifying like the voices of others. Cause it is religion is a really interesting topic because I feel like it's kind of just another example of our sort of split responsibility as adoptees mm. to like religion is kind of a, a wild extent to bring it to, honestly, when you really mm -hmm. think about it, because the Christian faith is, while it was like written, you know, in a certain area of the world, uh, European culture has definitely adopted it and whitewashed it for sure, um, mm. which has been like kind of funny. But then it has kind of created this sort of um, and this isn't obviously all churches, of course, because there are some really great inclusive um, practices, I'm sure, um, and that I've heard my friends that are like people of color or queer people like attend, you know, or support. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it did kind of create this sort of exclusionary, at least like connotation, you know, at least like that's how I feel about mm -hmm. um, like Christianity personally. I feel like it's very shame-centered, which I am not a big fan of um, for people, just in general. And it was weird to be a Chinese person in a predominantly white area in a predominantly white religion. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, and it was odd, too, because I think Christianity has this very great overlaying message of we should accept people, you know, like when you really take things down to like the bare bones, it is about acceptance. Um, but I think that it's been twisted around and misconstrued over centuries. And it's sort of created a more toxic environment for a lot of people, which is really unfortunate. And mm. I'd love to learn more um, because I, I definitely, I stopped going to church at a pretty young age. The only Catholic church in like my area was like 45 minutes to an hour away. And so there were just a lot of Sundays wow. where we didn't go. Yeah, I, I definitely feel kind of disconnected to it. But it, it is interesting to think about exploring other religions and seeing if I connect with those anymore. Yeah. Especially ones that are more based on, like, your self-experience, you know? Mm -hmm. I think those are a lot easier to use as, like, context for your life and in everyday life. Right. Stories yes. about people and, like... Huh, okay. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, I, I admit the part of the appeal of SGI too is when I went to that meeting, it is diverse as in a lot of different types of people and different backgrounds all participate and practice. I think also what's really great, so I'm pretty sure this episode will be clean, uh, but your podcast may not be so, uh, I don't know, is your podcast it's going to be explicit? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I it definitely... Is have been surprised at myself even in this session. <laughs> I am too. I am too. I, I was like, I, I wanted to tell you, um, like, offer up to be like, just go ahead and mark this one as explicit. But, you know, I've done a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah, you've censored pretty well. I was like, I'm surprised there hasn't been like a dropping of a... <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure, me too. <laughs> but I probably will be a little bit more slack in my <laughs> on my Yes. Plot. Well, that's good because it'll give, uh, it sets the tone for your podcast. And then for me, I haven't really set that tone. This podcast, the tone isn't really, it's whatever the person feels comfortable with. So I have a couple episodes here and there that have explicit because two or three curse words were dropped, but that's mm -hmm. about it. 
it works so i was like yeah it's fine i don't censor people because if you're comfortable with that go for it yeah. <laughs> it's really exciting that to have another voice out there i usually always ask the last two questions one is have you been back to china have you been back to where you were from do you want to go back I have not been back to China since I was adopted at 10 months old, um, but I definitely do want to go back, especially in the last few months with just learning different things about the culture and just seeing different sides of it than what I was kind of led to believe most of my life. I definitely want to go and just kind of explore the culture and the food and just see what it's like, like in reality, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. That would be very cool. And you're still, I mean, as you were said, as you said, you're in the process of really learning more about yourself and your adoption. So that makes sense. Yeah. My last question is, is there anything else you'd like to hear from other adoptees, other people who adoption has been a big part of? I guess from other adoptees, a big thing that's kind of been on my mind recently and something I plan to talk about in the in my podcast is just our roles as adoptees in the context of allyship in the Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter movement because I feel like a lot of posts that are geared like that are about having conversations with your families about the movement and about uh, systemic racism and things of the like are geared towards blood-related families, which is like, I'm used to it, you know? None of us yes. are strangers to not being represented, but I definitely feel like we have a sort of different role just because we are neither white people nor black people, so we can't even be like a direct link to the issue. You know, we kind of have to be a bridge from one to the other, which is a very odd place to be. Um, So I'd love to hear other adoptees' experiences in that. Uh, I've seen it kind of discussed a little bit in the Subtle Asian Adoptee Traits Facebook group. So more of that would be great. I'd love that. Mm. I'd love to not just be like feeling like I'm irrationally angry at things. Right. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mentioned it in a previous episode a little bit about I just inserted a little tidbit because I I also just don't know what the right thing to say is. And if there is like a right thing to say related to the Black Lives Matter movement, because the Black people in the U.S. and and abroad everywhere have been mistreated Mm. for a long time. Black people are the most prejudiced against or they're Mm. the ones who've experienced the worst in the history overall in comparison to, I mean, us being Chinese adoptees, but in China, I think most of that prejudice or hate has been within China only. It hasn't spread necessarily as far as the U.S. or other countries. Right. Except, I guess, right now because of the pandemic and the Chinese virus or whatever. But that's kind of been something that has allowed us to, you know, get behind the Black Lives Matter movement more than ever Mm. before because we had just sort of started experiencing what Black people experience all the time and Mm -hmm. have experienced for a really long time. 
I'm exciting, excited to hear from other allies and everybody. And it is a weird thing because nobody knows the right things to say. I think, like, it's going to require a lot of learning and unlearning and just being open to changing the way that you feel about certain things the more you learn, you know, mm -hmm. um, not getting too attached to one train of thought, I guess, has probably been the most helpful thing to me lately to just be like, it's okay that I don't feel this way anymore mm -hmm. because I've learned something, you know? True. Very true. And I think people are always learning and growing. If you're not growing, then you're not really living. So mm -hmm. <laughs> not to be morbid, but I guess my last little addition to that is the, there's a book I read recently written by Glennon Doyle. I don't know if you've heard of her she writes a lot about how people it's just a really good book it's like an inspiration for many things I've done recently it talks about race it talks about sex and gender and identity and really learning and being a human being and parenthood too that's a good I recommend that read as nice. a yeah. yeah so she but her backstory is that she was married she was raised Christian too, but she was married. She was raised Christian. She felt that she only had to like marry a man and everything or love was in the definition of marrying another man and having children. Mm -hmm. um, but she ended up divorcing her husband and then marrying Abby Wambach. So it's wow. like a shift obviously from, so then, but she addresses that in her book too about like, oh, so you're, now you're gay. It's not necessarily that I'm gay now. I don't think that's the, core of what I'm trying to share with everybody but it's a lot of it's such a good read so I recommend that as a read she's a white woman but oh, like she speaks to the human understanding because she even talks about like white privilege in there too or mm -hmm. um, being called racist and stuff which I thought was like oh this is really interesting to read this perspective as well we love self-reflection and it's a forms. lot of self-reflection in that book oh yes this episode is for you as well, but not to take away. <laughs> it's okay. I, like, I, can... I usually don't like to ramble too much, but I guess I'm just like, oh, it does relate. So then I, so that's been my format too, is when I'm interviewing people, if they say something, it's like, oh, I, I can see like, oh, something like small little tidbits of myself I've been inserted, but I usually don't go like too off book <laughs> or like too much into rants. It I love open forum. If you would like, would you want to share your social media and then a little bit? I would say your podcast will probably be out on major podcast platforms as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I plan to have it on at least Spotify and the iTunes podcast app. Perfect, those, at least. But it's going to be called uh, Not So Mellow Yellow podcast uh, and the Instagram will be not so mellow yellow cast I also have an art Instagram where I post the paintings and illustrations that I'm doing I'm not too active at the moment but I do try to keep it from being like a complete just absence of anything um, online mm -hmm. but uh, that is Abigail Ray art on Instagram um, I also have a Facebook art page abigail radar as well and yeah that's that's basically it perfect so everybody check out not so mellow yellow podcasts on apple and spotify 
I'll say goodbye for now, Abby. Thank you for talking with me. Thank you so much for having me on today, Tara. <laughs> I'm glad that we could get more into the discussion about some more sensitive topics, honestly. You can hear more of them on your podcast. Thank you for listening to ABC. You can email us at adoptedbabiesfromchina at gmail.com or send a direct message to Adopted Babies from China Pod on Facebook and Instagram. And if you can, I've never actually said this before, please go ahead and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or other places where you can rate and review. Yes. <laughs>